I think the most valuable thing you can do on the KDP platform is published in all three modalities, the Kindle edition, the paperback edition, and the Audible or audio edition. This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this shorter episode, we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects, fresh from our expert panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Beasley. Let's jump in. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? Eva predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. All right. Welcome, everybody. In today's Hot Takes episode, we are going to do a fun conversation about Kindle Direct Publishing, KP metrics we love. And the, the squad here is being a little intimidated by the topic because they're not sure. Chris and I are going to jump into it, though. And I know all of us have content for this because at the end of the day, this is about Amazon, both advertising and just product sales. So just product things. Books are no different, maybe no different than uh, regular products. So let's get it today, guys. Um, happy to go around the table and insights perspective takes on what KDP Max we love. Anybody want to start the conversation? They sell books on Amazon? I guess historically that's how Amazon got it got it started. But now everyone thinks about it as just pitch your private label product. But it's probably, I, I don't know this definitively, but I would say it's got to be at least one of the, if not the largest digital platform for sales on the planet. I would assume that Kindle sales dominates everything else or pretty close. So it's exciting. And I do think that there's definitely opportunities to bolt on digital products to any physical products business. It is, we've talked about it before on, on this show for sure. So I'm excited to get and learn a little bit more about KDP and what should I be paying attention to? Jason, you said it at the beginning where like me and you, have, you and I, my grammar's bad today. And Kyle and Michael really haven't published, but I don't think there's as big a disconnect as there really is in terms of we know the inside and oh if you've never done it before what's it going to be like but i i know that it feels like that because i've coached enough people and once they upload their first book and they're like flabbergasted they're like chris that was like just as easy as you've been saying for the past 10 years i was like exactly like over and over again like it's repeated that's why i'm trying to like hammer this home to people that i get it's going to sound like oh publish a book you know this doesn't have to do with me i sell physical products i'm wholesale and private label uh no, books can add so much in terms of marketability, establishing a level of expertise, bundling, like complementary products. There are so many opportunities that the biggest problem is well, which opportunity are you going to pursue depending on what you are already doing, either as a seller or as someone who's trying to get into the world of selling and entrepreneurship or even just new into Amazon. Uh, books are not going anywhere. There was an article that came out. It said Kindle sales have overtaken physical book sales. And they got all like jumpy about it. Like, oh, the books are in decline. No, year over year, physical books were up year over year. That exact same year. Okay, so books aren't going anywhere. It's people's preferred method of, of you know gathering information. They buy digital and physical books. It's so easy to offer both. Uh, but Kyle, I think you're right. Amazon may be the largest digital product 
uh, site, like a marketplace. And that's essentially what you're doing. You have a digital product that can be sold on Amazon as a digital product if you want, but also converted into a physical product offered for sale, prime eligible, completely hands-off for free. Like it's so good that to me, I am convinced everybody has this opportunity to say, look, how can I use KDP in my business, whether digital or physical or mix or both or for profit or for marketability or for exposure? There are a lot of variables that go in there, but I feel everybody's going to end up somewhere on that line and they're going to be glad that they spent the time uh, taking a look at it. I'm convinced 100%. You are a salesman for it all the way. Okay, but let's talk about that. The metrics, man, the metrics. What metrics do we like? Michael, you want to weigh in on a metric that you think is most important for Amazon sales in general, or do you want me to lead with one? All I would say is um, if it's an Amazon metric, one of the reasons, just to kind of follow up and lead us back to metrics, one of the reasons that somebody who already sells on Amazon with KDP is you've got half the battle done because you understand the Amazon platform and the metrics, which people are starting off without. But Jason, I'd love to hear from you because I do not sell KDP books, although I really am working on developing a Facebook right now, and I'm really convinced that my clients with what I really should be um, moving out of just as a product and, and trying to put it in So, yeah, I'm always Tell us, what's the answer? What should we be looking for, man? What are the key metrics? The metric that I think is top for, in my way of thinking of it now, wasn't what I thought five or 10 years ago. But the metric that I think is the number one metric is reviews. And I used to think that it was bestseller rank, which would be a different met met metric we could talk about. And I used to think maybe it was ROAS, which is an ad-centric metric. But more and more of what I'm thinking is just reviews. And that's interesting because reviews are a metric that you can engineer in legitimate ways in a book, like asking people to leave you a review. <laughs> the better you are at doing that, the more reviews you get. And I think reviews are really central. I would be very interested in your guys' perspective from the off of the Kindle sections point of view on Amazon sales, how important you think reviews. And then happy to chat about those other metrics I just mentioned as well, BSR, as well as, as, well as ROAS. I think those deserve conversation here. But what are your thoughts just on the topic of the number of reviews you get on your product is central to the success of it. Any thoughts on that, Kyle or, or Michael, from your point of view? Yeah, I think that reviews have always mattered on a platform, especially when you have multiple options. You might have a book, but I can pretty much guarantee that you're not going to have the only book alternative on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, even <laughs> Amazon's a big marketplace and there's a lot of topics, but there's probably going to be alternative books to your book that would be there. And the only way that people make the determination of which what book to buy or what product to buy is to look into what other people have said. It's social proof. And so I think reviews have always mattered. They probably matter more to your point, Jason, than what we've maybe given them a little bit of credit for. But I think it becomes more so with in the book space because there are so many. You talk about a, a category on Amazon that has millions and millions of products. KDP in books definitely do. So in order to stand out, I think reviews definitely have to be considered as a key metric. Yeah. yeah, It's interesting. I would say, as I say, I don't have KDP selling experience. From the physical product side, I think getting reviews should be a great obsession of and is of the really successful sellers I know. And there are ways to engineer it, some legit, some not. Legit is the only way I'd advise anyone to do it really seriously. Don't try and fool Amazon's algorithm. 
with books, it's interesting. I only really have an experience as a consumer, and maybe I consume in a different way, but I don't tend to go on Amazon to buy a book based on keyword generic research, unlike with products. So I tend to go on Amazon because I've heard about an author from somebody else, word of mouth. Often it's you, Jason. Like I've bought several books on the fact that you mentioned it in the podcast. I'm like, I've got to find out what this gold rat book's about or Porter's Forces of Strategy and stuff like that. Or I've heard them on a podcast or some other form where it isn't actually keyword driven. So when I go on, I just ignore the reviews unless they're really dreadful. So my bio journey is quite different for books than for physical products on Amazon. I don't know whether that's typical or just me. Yeah. But I just thought I'd put it yeah, out there. No, that's, what are your thoughts? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't Chris, think that's... Done? Oh, sorry. Oh, let me just layer in on that. I don't think that that's actually dissimilar to buying physical products on Amazon either. I think that the buyer journey really does start in multiple locations and just has a tendency to end up on Amazon as part of the vetting process. I think, what was it, close mm-hmm. to 60% of all like physical e-commerce product searches uh, start on Amazon in the U.S., but oftentimes the discoverability of those products is occurring on social. It's occurring by word of mouth. It's recurring on like Google when they're searching and then they see it. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I should just go look on it. Even in the physical store, they'll be like going by, oh, I should just check that real quick on my Amazon app and see how much, if I can find it on Amazon. And so I think mm-hmm. that is definitely part of the buying experience on books and physical products. Yeah. Chris, what do you think? You know what I think people are, are forgetting is how smart customers are. Right, because it sounds so normal for us to sit back and be like, "Oh, you know, the customers they go to Amazon first and they look at reviews and like where the buying process starts." And it makes sense when you think about it, but commonly we don't think about it that way. At least I don't. But just as we're having this conversation, I'm like, customers are smart. They're gonna they're gonna look at the reviews. They're gonna be able to tell fake reviews. They're gonna be able to say, "Look, this doesn't have enough reviews," or sometimes this has too many reviews. Right now, it's rare, but I can I can make a case for a product having too many. Reviews. Now, of course, as an author, I want to solicit reviews, but I want to solicit honest reviews. All right. So just to be sure, nobody's asking for five star reviews. We're just asking for reviews. And if you give us one star, it's probably because we earned it. So I'm assuming people are making quality content. So they actually earn five stars. But Jason, I think like my favorite thing about what you said is like BSR doesn't matter as much. It's important. It's vanity sometimes. Hey, number one in my category. Or like, and I say this top 1,000 book on Amazon. Yeah, but they're vanity. So what does it actually mean? Now, you might be able to use it as marketing to get attention, uh, but it's not necessarily going to put any money in your pocket directly. But if you're getting reviews, that means way more than they just bought your book or they downloaded your book on Prime Day when it was free or on yeah. you know Christmas yeah. when you did a free promotional day. And I've done that. 7,000 downloads. I take a screenshot from KDP and I'm like, what up? Look at this. But it's, it's vanity metrics. It doesn't actually mm-hmm. mean anything. It could be 6,999 people download it and are never going to look yeah. at it again. Yeah. Reviews, they read it like 99 plus percent chance they actually read at least some of your content and they yep. meant enough to them. They went on and left a review. And if they do that, hopefully they join your email list depending how they discovered your book. So like, if you're trying to use a book for business and generate leads and customers, uh, like a top of the funnel type book, you want to see those reviews. If it doesn't have reviews, I mean, I, I could be, you know, be cynical. You see a book published five years ago with five reviews and they're using it as like a top of the funnel thing. I'm like, no one's no one's going through that funnel, man. Yeah, like because <laughs> if they were, you'd have reviews to show for it. So it's a great metric. That's an interesting component of it because really, I think what the consumer is doing is saying that the number of reviews is a proxy for the. You look at the reviews and you say to yourself, it's got fourteen hundred reviews. That it's a five point a four point seven you know average. It has to be good, and that's what people are doing as a shortcut to the purchasing decision. I think, and so I, th- I think that's why it's so vital. I think just to finish this one, this reviews, 
for an author who's trying to work on a book, what, what I would encourage you to do is try to have benchmarks. Go for 20 reviews and focus that on as a priority, and then 100, and then 1,000. Now, I've got my best book has 300 and I think 60 reviews, something like that, Instagram Power. And, it, and the reviews, I know, help that. It's, it, it, I've just seen over time that as the reviews have climbed, it has just st- stayed stuck up into the BSRs for the social media ca- subcategories. But I think we should have an approach where we say, okay, I'm going to go from try to just focus on getting 20 reviews, then a hundred, then a thousand, which is aspirational. You get a thousand reviews on an Amazon book and you're permanently stuck into the top of a BSR. You won't fall. And I think that's an important way to look at it. Now, let me just circle back to one other um, nuance here, which was what Michael said. I think that as consumers, we swim inside of subcategories or niches with books. So for example, I, I don't ever look at fiction books. I don't even look at the categories. I just don't know. Now, some readers might be really cosmopolitan about how they consume books, but I think more likely people get stuck into what they like, which is as a subcategory, the genre that they, they really find value out of. For me, as a consumer of books, that's uh, nonfiction, usually in marketing, e-commerce, branding, finance, those kind of those nerdy, boring categories. But I think that's what I think that's what book consumers do is they have a category they're in. So therefore, the categories that we're ranking in are vital. And little known fact, Chris, I may you know more about this than I do probably, but I know you can go to Amazon and ask that your book be listed in more than the three default categories that you get to pick when you set up a book that's a self-published book. And I don't know if it's up to 10, but you can ask to be in more categories. And that is probably a pro move because of this idea that customers stay in their swim lane in terms of genres or categories. I don't know what you guys have in terms of thoughts on that idea, but that I'd mention it. I've heard of that. I haven't done it myself. Um, but I would suggest anytime you're contacting Amazon, it, like, this would be a great example. If you're contacting Amazon and say, hey, I would like my book to be listed in these other categories, give them a reason why, but give them a customer-centric reason why. To say, hey, customers in this category are probably looking for things along these lines. And my book really addresses that. It's got great reviews. And it would benefit your customer, Amazon, to have it over there. And if you speak in kind of Amazon language, it can usually help you get uh, what you want. As long as what you want is legit white hat above the table. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Totally. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I want to make sure we spend time on ROAS here before we end the show. I just have one other other question on reviews. And this is more of just my me asking a question is it within the tos if you were creating a kindle book could you actually create like a page halfway through your book with a qr code and just ask for people's not just the, not the review but actually like feedback like i'd love to know what you thought so far about my book and then send them to a like survey or something like that or is that not allowed i i don't know of any call to action that's a violation of tos unless it's incented in some inappropriate way you can't buy reviews. You can't do that. That's a TOS right. violation, right? And you couldn't do that inside a book or off Amazon either if they sure. found out about it. But to say these are thoughts in progress, I have a second edition I'm working on. I'd love your feedback so I can make this book better. Those are all super legitimate inquiries. Now, you might end up with reviews that are like, here are the 14 spelling mistakes you made in the first chapter, sure. which wouldn't be productive review content. But yeah. So you have to figure out, okay, how can I position this book as something that someone would like to leave a review in support of that, to Chris's point, be 
I like to use the phrase highest and best review. I would love your highest and best review. That's not asking for five-star review. That's asking the customer to leave me their highest and best review that they're comfortable with. And, and so I think you want to solicit for something that gets you a positive outcome, not a negative outcome, but there is certainly art and science to it for sure. Yeah. I was just thinking if you actually installed request in the book mm-hmm. to go, not just to mm-hmm. directly to the KDP, but actually get some feedback by a survey or whatever, mm-hmm. if they've given you that information and it's positive, mm-hmm. then you could always obviously ask for them to, oh, would you mind sharing this on Amazon mm-hmm. or KDP as a review or something like that as well? So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about ROAS, you guys. I think return on ad spend is the marketing metric on Amazon we all love to think about. And I just want to explain it for book sellers who haven't used it or for people who are interested in understanding how it works for books. The advertising program for Amazon, very similar if you're not used to it as it does for products, normal physical products. And you've got an opportunity to spend, of course, The difference is if you self-published a Kindle book, you have zero cost of goods. What you have is your royalty structure. And for example, if you set up a book that's an exclusive uh, book, Chris, correct me on any of this that you feel like I'm, I'm messing up, but let me just say it this way. If you set up a royalty deal with Amazon where you get 70% commission on every sale and Amazon keeps 30%, if that's the deal you made, then you want to do the math for the return on ad spend and factor in that expense of the Amazon cost structure and then do a simple calculation to understand where your break-even point is. If you spend a dollar advertising, did you get a dollar back? Now, I would suggest to you that if you just do that, you spend a dollar and get a dollar back, you should do that as much as you can, scale it to till it breaks and really understand what that looks like in the back end of the Amazon advertising system. And you do that through setting up a bunch of campaigns, seeing what works, putting a little bit of money against them. And if you have a positive ROAS above your break-even point, then you double down, increase the daily spend, and let it continue to ride until you find an equilibrium point where you're, in essence, breaking even or losing money if you go any higher. That's my take on how to use Amazon advertising for for book work that is uh, tied to self-publishing books. You can also do it in support of traditionally published books. I have permission to publish my Instagram power book through McGraw. It's published by by McGraw-Hill, but I can advertise against it or, or for it. And I also have permission to advertise for my uh, e-commerce power book published by Morgan James, even though so neither of those are self-published, but I can still use the Amazon advertising platform directly to, to uh, promote those products. So open around the table conversation about thoughts on advertising, ROAS, that kind of stuff. I got a thought, which is I have no business with it because I haven't published anything on KDB. But if I'm about to, hopefully with the next, it's, it's taken much longer than I wanted as usual with these things, but it is mostly done now. If it's an authority play, there's quite a good argument for saying that uh, it, it depends on the business case that you've got there. So is it an authority play? If you're getting exposure and paying for exposure, even if you end up losing money, but you can then monetize it on the back end yeah. by getting new clients or sending up other products or so forth, there could be quite an argument for being quite aggressive about it, actually. Even, I don't mean just as a yeah. launch strategy, but ongoing. But the other Especially thing Especially if your funnel is, supports the back end yeah. sales exactly you know, so. outcomes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that strikes me is even if it's more of a pure 
profit play and even if you whether or not you have a back end but if you want to make sure the front end is washing its face as it were that's terrible jargon i'm speaking internet marketing jargon now if you want to sell your product at a profit on amazon irrespective of what happens afterwards then you've always got to think about the fact that on amazon that the return on ad spend is only part of the picture because it will help your organic ranking and i presume this applies to books as well as physical products which is my world that i'm comfortable with and if so then the value of an ad driven sale is much greater than just that sale and exactly how to evaluate that is pretty tricky but i would say that in terms of mentality at least i'd be prepared to spend quite aggressively in that situation as well so there are two situations where i can imagine if i were doing it that i would spend probably more aggressively and still hope to make a profit yeah totally chris you're the man who can actually speak to that as well as was jason and what what does it work that way or am i deluding myself here I think it's, it goes back to the beginning where people think it's more complicated than it is. And it really isn't. It's here. This is your book. Here's your listing. Here's the price that you set. And based on all of the factors of your book, you will get this much money when it sells on Kindle and you will get this much money when it sells on paperback. That's it. You can figure that number out before you even publish. If you just Google KDP royalty calculator and you put in your page count and you put in your price, and it'll tell you what your royalty is going to be. And that's it. And then compare that to how much you want to spend on ads. And then decide if you're looking at KDP as a profit center where you're trying to make profit off the margin of your books, or you're using books as lead generation, where you're using it. Look, I'm happy to break even to get my message out into the world. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not everybody's, yeah. I'm not a different person, but there, you can do each one of those things. But if people are slowing down and being like, oh, I can't move forward until I know what my royalty is. No, yeah, that's an excuse. You can figure out what your royalty is going to be right now for a 24 page book, 100 page book, 480 yeah. page book. Just go to and just on, Google it, KDP Royalty Calculator. And on Amazon advertising platform, you, to get your ROAS, you just divide that into one. So one divided by uh, 0.7, if it's a 70% royalty structure, just as the example, would be a 1.42 ROAS is break even. That's how you do that math. It's not complicated. So you just figure out your royalty rate, the actual and then you divide it by one and it'll tell you a number and in and, and then you just work towards achieving that number in your ad spend. Kyle, do I have all that? What's your thought on, yep. on all that? That is, that's right. I mean, it, a lot of the factors depend on your category, right? How much competition that you're in. Will you be able to spend and break even and get organic rank? That will depend on what your book is and who you're competing with. But I think in general, that premise will hold for books and will also hold for physical products. And then it comes down to just your overall strategy. What are you really trying to accomplish? Is your book going to be the top of funnel, basically as a lead gen to get new people into your system? And do you have opportunities baked into your book that link out to your website or to other funnels to try and drive more revenue or to Chris's point is KDP your main revenue model and you just want to drive sales from that standpoint. Now, if you only have one book on KDP, unless you're using one of Chris's models and it's it's a course as a book, you're probably going to need more than one KDP book if you go the classical route with it in order to make any sort of real money <laughs> for the long term. But maybe that's not you maybe that's not the goal. Maybe it's just try to like the Chris's point, you're trying to get the message out. So I saw, I see it as you use it as a front end to bring people in would probably be my best use case for KDP. Um unless you're going with a broad catalog of books and then it's the wide catalog approach that actually drives you long term revenue, um, which will then ultimately probably be more along the lines of organic sales that come through over time with a catalog approach is how you're going to optimize it. 
Love that. All right, guys, final thoughts around the table. We've talked about a number of reviews. We've talked about uh, bestseller rankings and categories. We've talked about ROAS, at ROAS and the Amazon ad platform. Any other final thoughts? Um, if not, then let's wrap it up. Question. Based on your guys' experience, do like obviously you get paid royalty on like pages read. Have you noticed if pages read for KDP has any sort of impact on your ranking, your sales? If you get more read, do you see any growth in that or is it just completely separate? If there's a metric to track that, I don't know what it is. I actually looked the other day. I have 2.5 million page reads, which I think is insane. Uh-huh. But you guys know me. I'm going to use that as, as marketing. But that's another way to monetize content is through page reads. Amazon will, if you're in the Kindle Select program, they will pay you based on page reads. Now, there's black hat ways and there's white hat ways. I'm not even going to mention the black hat ways. Don't manipulate. Just put out good content that people actually want to read. But to me, there's just such a benefit to go physical, which is just going to take away. Like I don't focus honestly, any energy at all at Kindle nominalized page reads, whatever it's called. That's not the type of content I'm putting out is specifically for to be read on Kindle. Yeah, me either. I think the most valuable thing you can do on the KDP platform is publish in all three modalities, the Kindle edition, the paperback edition, and the audible for audio edition uh, through acx.com. That, that combo is where you maximize your profit out. And, and the Audible, and, and specifically, I've heard over and over people say that's where you make the most money as an author, is on the Audible edition. And But of, of all the books I've published, only a couple have Audible editions. So it's like knowing the path and walking the path are two different things. But in terms of just pages read, it's never been something I've focused on either. Yeah. It would work better on, on fiction books, I believe. Probably. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. At least when Michael does roll out his uh, audio or his book, he'll already have the audio voiceover ready to go because he's already got a cool British accent that he can just apply to. He doesn't have to pay anybody to actually read his book. <laughs> Available for reading your book, Jason, if you want me. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not sure that would work with your brand. It wouldn't sound very uh, Pacific Northwest or, or even. Can you, sound, can you sound like a middle aged Seattle guy? <laughs> from America. I don't think I can. I, I guess you, this would be my best impression of a middle-aged Seattle guy, but I don't really know if it's authentic or not. So I'd better maybe not put myself forward. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, actually, your Texas accent isn't too shabby either. <laughs> God damn it. It's, it's hotter than a skunk can hear. Yeah, maybe I do. We're getting well, well yeah, done. Rabbit hole here. Let, let's wrap All right, it up. guys. Take us home, I'm wrapping this thing up. Thanks, everybody, for a great conversation today about KDP Metrics. As always, it's an honor. If you're listening to this show on the ecommerceleader.com podcast on a podcast player of choice, then feel free to check out the call-in app, which is where we record this original content of it. And we'd love to have you follow us there and uh, follow along on any player that you'd like with the highest review, your highest and best review would be greatly appreciated for the show and uh, gents as always it's an honor thanks so much for hanging out with us today that was the e-commerce leader podcast with michael Vizi in london england and jason miles in seattle washington if you liked this content don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources including pdfs and videos on topics like traffic products and sales channels just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.